Welcome to the Laser Therapy Institute weekly podcast, the world's first podcast about medical laser therapy for healthcare providers. Each week, we discuss the latest research, interviews with experts, and how laser therapy can enhance your practice. Now, here is the founder of LTI and your host, Dr. Jason Roundtree. Hello, and thanks for joining us again here on the Laser Therapy Institute weekly podcast. My name is Dr. Jason Roundtree. I will be your host today. And we are going to be talking about nerve regeneration, the mechanisms of how nerves regenerate, uh, how laser therapy fits into that, exactly what that means with the mechanisms of how nerve repair goes, especially with laser therapy. And uh, we're going to be referring back to a study published in June of 2018 in Bioengineering. Uh, The title of the study is Photobiomodulation Therapy in Peripheral Nerve Regeneration, a Systematic Review. Uh, this one is uh, an animal review, so we're looking at a total of 26 animal studies, and this is the first one we've done. We typically stay focused on human studies on this podcast because that's what we're talking about doing is treating humans. However, there's a lot you can do with animal studies that you just can't do with human studies, including intentional injuries and then uh, sacrificing the specimens to see how Uh, the tissues actually are looking. You just can't do that with human studies, and um, rightly so. So uh, I think it's good to be able to pull in some of these animal studies sometimes, especially when we're talking about the exact mechanisms and science of how laser therapy works, how injuries work. Um, and, And, you know, it's not an exact translation from animals to humans, but we get a pretty darn good idea of what's happening in tissues uh, when we're looking at animal studies and, and how that can apply to human conditions. So I wanted to really be able to get into some of those mechanisms, and, and this study has some just fantastic quotes. I'll start you with one right off the bat here. It says, um, there are several features of photobiomodulation therapy that are related to the reduction of tissue repair time and its capacity to increase cell proliferation. Right there, that's exactly what we want to do with any kind of nerve injury, right? We want to be able to not only increase the proliferation of the cell and and how quickly it can develop, but cut down on the repair time and and get tissues to repair that that normally wouldn't. So, um, you know, when we're talking nerve injury, first of all, when we're talking nerve injury, we're talking about either a... A, um, a cut nerve crush injury um, or some kind of nerve block like with uh, a chemical like uh, Marcaine. Um, and that leads to functional changes in the nerve. So the nerve stops transmitting the way it's supposed to. If you end up with myelin sheath damage, you can, you can have all kinds of different changes the way that the nerve communicates. Uh, information. It can actually ramp up some types of communication. You can get nerve facilitation where the nerve transmits too many signals when really it shouldn't. It hits that threshold earlier than it should. Uh, You can end up with, you know, especially with um, neurotomesis where the nerve is cut, you can end up with no ability for that nerve to actually transmit any information. So all kinds of different things that can happen with these different types of nerve injuries. The article does talk about um, retrograde axonal degeneration as well, where when you have a peripheral nerve that has been injured, you can actually end up with damage and irritation that goes up the axon um, towards 
the spinal cord so that you end up with uh, radiating pain from the peripheral nerve lesion uh, up the extremity. And a good example of this is uh, carpal tunnel or also tarsal tunnel syndromes that give you primarily uh, symptoms out further into the extremities, but oftentimes in more severe cases can really um, generate a lot of irritation and pain and other nerve symptoms further up the extremity. I've had cases of carpal tunnel that look just like heart attack cases before because they were so significant levels of pain in the left arm and the chest um, and ends up just being carpal tunnel. A uh, very similar process with tarsal tunnel syndrome. This is one that uh, doesn't get a whole lot of attention. Look that up if you're not real familiar with it. Tarsal tunnel syndrome is pretty similar to carpal tunnel, only it happens down in the ankle and the foot. But I've seen this one go all the way up uh, to the lumbar spine before, too. So that retrograde axonal degeneration is another uh, factor of peripheral nerve injury that often is overlooked but is uh, an indicator that you've got a you know significant problem with that nerve. So, again, what I really liked about this study was that it does go into a lot of the laser mechanisms and how that works. So I'm going to give you a, a quote from what they say in the study. They say, The wavelength of infrared irradiation is easily absorbed by tissues and loss of intensity is minimal. And this affects metabolic modifications, DNA activity, adenosine triphosphate formation, and the mitochondrial chain. The effect of photobiomodulation is due to the absorption of the photons by cytochrome C oxidase in the mitochondrial respiratory chain, consequently increasing the cytochrome C oxidase activity and therefore ATP formation. ATP from injured regions... Uh, or, or regions of impaired blood perfusion can reactivate injured cells and metabolic disorders. So really looking at speeding up the rate of metabolism in the cells and other neighboring cells even. ATP, uh, if you can improve the production, you can get uh, a lot of extra ATP produced in those cells and that can lead to that increased... Um, Increased cell proliferation, uh, increased cell repair, and uh, decreased tissue repair time as well. So they go a little bit further into it because, again, this is a, a conglomeration, uh, a review of 26 different studies. So they, they pull out from some of these studies some of the important facts and some of the things that the animal studies were able to show. And those are things like improved nerve regeneration of the axons and the nerve fibers, increases of muscle re-innervation, which is huge, especially when you're talking about things like foot drop. Um, if you can get nerve re-innervation going, uh, you can have good increases in strength and coordination. You, they saw reduced inflammatory cytokines as well as reduced pain. Also looked at um, improving myelin sheath thickness, improving the electrophysiological function, uh, decreased number of inflammatory cells, increases in the normal pain perception. And, of course, that is a really important one. Most people, of course, most of our patients will go, oh, I don't want pain. Um, but pain perception is a very important part of proper perception of, the, of, of what the body is experiencing. 
improper pain perception leads to heightened levels of pain and discomfort. It leads to, uh, you know, numbness. It leads to shooting pains, nerve pain, tingling. That, that all feeds into that abnormal pain perception. So if you can normalize that, then you can feel pain as it's meant to be felt as a signal that something's wrong and not just as a uh, chronic sensation for no reason other than the tissue damage. They also noticed uh, improved neural growth factor, NGF, as well as improved uh, expression of neurotrophic factor, BDNF, as well as improvements in mRNA expression, which of course has a lot to do with gene transcription. So those are things that they were able to see in the tissues that a lot of times we're just not able to get with our human studies, our human trials, um, for, for multiple reasons. We're not able to do as much testing or injure the nerves in the same way to, to be able to do that testing. So they were able to pull some of those really hard facts right out of their tests and uh, be able to be able to see that uh, we're not only having an effect on pain levels, that's, that's, that's a great thing to be able to do, and we've seen that in multiple human studies, but we're actually having a good effect on the physiology of the tissues we're treating. So a couple other observations they were able to make is that, uh, you know, number one, obviously laser is effective when we're talking about nerve repair, at least on these animal models. Uh, they did say that wavelength is key. Wavelength is a key point that regulates the depth and penetration of the laser irradiance in the tissue. Um, wavelength has a lot to do with how deep the light can make it. It's not just the power. The power has a lot to do with delivering a therapeutic dose to the right depth, but if you've got the wrong wavelength, you just can't get that light deep enough into the tissues no matter how much power you put behind it. So they said that the best wavelengths they saw from these studies were in the visible red to the near-infrared spectrum uh, from 632 nanometers to 904 nanometers. We've seen results all the way up to 1,064 nanometers for tissue healing, um, but that's in that visible red to near-infrared spectrum. Uh, they did notice that some of the best results came with very high doses. We're talking 40, 50, even 80 joules per centimeter squared. Um, the guidelines for most use of light therapy is in the 5 to 10 uh, joules per square centimeter. So this is very, very high. And it kind of goes along with some of what we've seen with our human trials as well, is that those higher doses are often necessary when we're talking about damaged nerves. So that's an important point right there. If you've got low-powered laser, that's going to take you a very, very long time to deliver uh, energy densities at that level, usually a much longer treatment than if you're using a class 4 high-intensity device that can deliver that amount uh, quicker, but still, uh, if you're talking about treating an entire leg, you're talking about quite a bit of treatment, even with a high-intensity device. So something to keep in mind as you're working in practice or um, evaluating your, your protocols for uh, using laser in nerve injuries. Something else I noticed is that, uh, that, they, that they say in here, and I'll quote them, is they say, laser therapy presents difficulties in selecting the most suitable parameters for its application due to the lack of standardization since wavelength, power density, irradiation time, uh, type of wave, whether continuous or pulsed, and light polarization have repercussions on the biological effects. So all these different variables have a huge impact 
on what type of biological effects you're actually going to see uh, in the tissues. And that is one of the difficulties that they say, even with these animal studies, we just don't have any real good consensus yet on what type of settings are best. We, we're slowly working our way there, um, but you know, June of 2018 is not very long ago, and not even two years ago at this point, and uh, to still not have really anything nailed down, even on the animal models, means that there's a lot of gray area there. So, and that's something that I'd like you to take away uh, from today's kind of discussion here, is that this can be hard to get right. It really can. It's not as simple as point and shoot and watch the patient get better. In some cases, it really is. But in a lot of cases, you need to have some idea of what dosing is going to be best, what type of equipment, what wavelengths are going to be best, pulsing, the frequencies that should be used. Um, there's a lot that goes into that. You know, Even just what time, how long does the treatment need to be? So Laser Therapy Institute, what we've done is we put those together for you and what we've seen works well clinically. You know, in the absence of the best peer-reviewed scientific information on exactly these settings that need to be used, we have to use what we've seen uh, in clinical practice work. And, and that's what we've done is we've been able to take some of these principles and apply them when it comes to getting patients better, knowing that laser is safe, knowing that laser can be very effective and start fine-tuning some of the settings, the treatment plans, the uh, length of the treatments even, to be able to get good results reliably and to figure out what's going wrong if you're not getting the results that you should be. So that's a big takeaway for you today. Is Yes, we know for a fact that in the tissues, you can get some amazing results with laser therapy. The difficulty really does come down to knowing what to do and how to use it. If you want some help with that, give us a shout. You can email us, info at lasertherapyinstitute.org or go to the website, lasertherapyinstitute.org. You can get a hold of us there, take a look around, see what we're able to do for you. Uh, any questions, even if you just want to chat about laser, that's what we do. That's what we love doing. So uh, until next week, thanks very much for joining us. Subscribe now to keep learning about the growing field of laser therapy. Check out our patient-focused podcast, Healing at the Speed of Light, a great resource for your patients. For massive practice growth and improved patient outcomes, become a certified Laser Therapy Institute clinic. Learn how at lasertherapyinstitute.org.